in our first episode of 30 for Net Zero 30, you may recall I spoke with Sean Kidney, CEO at Climate Bonds Initiative, who shared with us the story from the inside of sustainable finance and the extraordinary growth of capital allocated to climate solutions. We covered investor expectations, climate risk, and regulatory action. In this bonus episode, I speak with Richard Pierce, who is a marketing and sales leader in the financial services and software industry, and previously at Microsoft. He is founder of Responsible Risk Limited, a consulting business that drives improvements in sustainable finance adoption and outcomes for clients through better understanding of data and solutions. So today we're going to talk more about sustainable finance with Richard through that intersection of people, process, and technology. Richard, your your business brings together AI, data, sustainability, banking, capital markets, firms, all together in order to solve the biggest challenges facing our world today. From a practical viewpoint, what does that look like? Yeah, hi, Anna Marie, and uh, it seems it seems like a quite a lot, doesn't it, really? Um, but uh, thanks for having me. I think really the key thing to get across is is I'm not sort of trying to run a a, a business which has got everything inside, you know, the uh, four walls of that business. Really, what I'm doing is working with a fantastic network, uh, and I put it in in three ways, really, which is I, I talk about the company as doing storytelling, matchmaking, and coaching. And so one of the things that I do uh, is work at Finextra uh, on a pro bono basis as the contributing editor on sustainable finance. And that gives me a wonderful platform to highlight what's going on in sustainable finance, but also see great stories that come through our uh, doors. And then on the matchmaking side, uh, I'm really keen that we don't just talk, but what we do is we do. And so I've got a, an amazing advisory board uh, of people that are, are all volunteering helping to work on the biggest challenges around sustainable finance, as you highlighted. And they range from London Stock Exchange, um, Triodos, Standard & Poor, World Wildlife Fund, data scientists. And there we bring together workshops where we convene and, and work over the biggest challenges. And then the final piece, which is the uh, coaching, is working with software companies uh, that need to get these um, ideas to market uh, and onto uh, technology platforms. So really what we're trying to do is really use the network to be a catalyst to make all of these changes that in your in opening introduction. A, a network approach, um, prob probably something from your Microsoft days, I'd imagine. As you look at this, as you talk uh, on these different levels with people, do you think there is any lack of confidence uh, about viable options ar around investing in sustainable initiatives? I mean, one of the things we've heard previously, right, that one of the biggest barriers to investment is a kind of blame game of individual activity. What, what do you think on that front? Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're referring back to sort of Sean's point, and I think he was right to highlight that, you know, don't blame the consumer and give them a ask them to wear a hair shirt uh, and, and not go out at all because, you know, we know that that's got its own issues. Um, and it is a systemic issue uh, uh, in terms of both the way we invest, but also just the way that, you know, human behavior uh, uh, walks across the planet. But, uh, but what I would say as a counter to that is that, um, you know, really we do need consumer demand. We need social uh, um, sort of action and request before, policy changes and policy needs to change before corporates really respond you know in the big system not obviously there'll be all sorts of individual actors um, and we are seeing that you know clearly um, there's a crisis clearly social um, you know request is going on policy is changing uh, and corporates are, are responding 
but we can't stop any of those single uh, activities. It has to be a continuous feedback loop um, of people demanding change, seeing change, and then in, and asking for even better. Where do you see then then data coming in? Obviously, key to understanding what people want, but what do you think are the issues then and opportunities around, in particular for sustainable finance, kind of risk management and working with data in its in, in order to form credit decisions or, or quantify uh, physical and transition risk? Well, I think this is this is the real key thing and why the previous answer you know has has context because if you just leave these things at a sort of you know in the financial services industry you know in the sort of real back office part of it. Um, there is no transparency and, and there is obviously a risk around greenwashing and people just putting labels on things that don't really actually positively contribute. So if, if you look at where we are today, very simplistically, um, you know, ESG, which is uh, environmental, social and governance, as we've heard, you know, is largely being sort of forced on, well, it initially started being forced onto financial services firms from the Financial Stabilities Board saying there's a risk to financial stability from climate change. So tell us what the risk is to your, to your system um, or to your book of business. Um, and then of course they went, well, we've only ever done financial reporting really. So therefore we don't know how to do the non-financial. And broadly they you know, default back to disclosure. So who's in your book of business, go to the corporates and say, you know, tell us what, are you, what you're doing in these areas. And so the burden falls onto the, corporate to respond and then this is when we get into this whole standards conversation about you know what what is green how do I report it um, what do I do with it once I've got it reported and how do I actually then report that as a risk to my to my business now the role of data is called out um, uh, because what people are saying is well hang on a minute you're all self-reporting and self-checking so I think the bigger role of data from just sorting that out is to say what we need to do is to look at that circular economy again um, and we look at need to look at the intelligent edge so down in the material world of the field and the factory and the farm and we need to look at the data and bring that as we can best as we can through supply chains um, into the decision making frameworks now that seems enormously complex but of course we're in this new world now of satellites and sensors and secure transmission of data and allowing data to delay where it resides, but actually just to pass information through APIs in a secure way. So that's what people are getting their head around, I think, at the moment, is the, the move from the way it was always done to the new, the new need for transparency, but at a much greater scale and further to the edge of what we're doing in the material world. No, really interesting points, Richard, and, and particularly this focus and ability to get to data now in a way that people haven't before is, is I think, going to be a game changer um, as, as we look at what people are actually delivering in this space. Do, do you see, I mean, obviously, you know, from your own background, you're pretty involved in the fintech boom in the kind of the 2010s. And so do you see any similarities here between what's ha what, what happened then and, you know, focus on innovation, new business models, new user experiences, new companies, and, and what's happening now in, in the 2020s around sustainable finance? Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally uh, think that the FinTech model is what we need to be looking to. And as, you, as I described when I was talking about my business, really, you could see that I'm drawing a lot of that experience. 
You know, one of the key stories for me was that uh, I was working at Microsoft and we were working with policy regulation, all of these important things that have to be done about the simple problem, quite frankly, of how do you move to the cloud? How do you move a box of computers, you know, in your own offices to a shared box of computers in Microsoft offices? You know, in a sense, quite trivial. And we were 10 years into policy and discussion and regulation and everybody spending millions to try and persuade organizations to do it. And I came across a guy called Nick Ogden from WorldPay and we sat down and he spoke about a vision for a new clearing bank. Uh, and we spoke about how we would build that completely in the cloud. Once we went through that process, pretty quickly I might add, um, it was extraordinary how the world's banks came to knock at his door and try and find out how they did it. And things moved really fast after that. In a way, what I want to do here is to find the sort of sustainable finance organization uh, that will be a mirror to that, which people will want to come and look at and see how things are done. And we're showing examples of that. So on my previous example, I spoke about um, you know, satellites and sensors and how they would inform risk. And in our last event, we spoke about a company called Mantle Labs, um, who are using, again, satellite and sensor data to analyze climate risk in the farms of India, apply it to credit risk and offer that as a service so that you can actually uh, deliver uh, more uh, loans to farmers in India where previously they wouldn't have been uh, uh, take them onto the company's books before. So I want to find great examples um, to change the models that, uh, yeah, as we did with FinTech. Excellent. Well, I, I guess changing tax just a little bit from what companies are doing and and how they're approaching it. Can we can we talk for a second about what you're seeing around how investors are approaching this? Right. So so how how viable is say sustainable investing when you've got you know, the world reeling from COVID, um, how reliable are the returns? What, what are you seeing in that space? Yeah, it's uh, we, we did a piece, a piece on this um, uh, on Finextra actually, we called it sort of mythbusters because there was a lot of talk about, you know, this being about values, but not value. And, and I genuinely think the narrative has changed uh, on that now, but um, just to give you a couple of statistics. Um, the ESG boom um, was was is being reported, um, and Callistone, who you might know, do a monthly letter on their fund flow. Um, they spoke investors buying a record 1.1 billion uh, of ESG funds in a single month, uh, which was roughly equivalent to the entire inflow from 2015 to 2018 combined. Um, and ESG funds accounted for more than half of the flows into equity funds in 2020. So it's still small, but growing really fast, and those numbers keep tracking up. But then, what about you know? Uh, is it does it give you a good return? Um, we reported on a, a study by the Global Alliance of Banking on values, um, and they found that ethical banks grounded in the real economy um, outperformed their non-ethical counterparts. So they looked between 2010 and 2016. Um, and they could see that they offered a better return on assets than globally systemically important banks. And then if you look at um, various funds, you'll see, you know, this gets, you need to get into the nuance of the, the mix of their, uh, uh, of their assets uh, in their funds. But basically the general trend is the performance is doing well, flows are doing well. The only real concern that people are talking about is you know, are things being marketed as green that aren't green? And I think that's a genuine, genuine concern we need to shine light on and make sure we 
um, show the good from from the, uh, the pretending to be good. Yeah, most definitely. And, and I think that also highlights a really interesting point that people don't talk about too much, which is kind of this halo effect on governance when you have a focus on climate and you have a focus on sustainable finance um, inside of companies and inside of banks. It's, it, I think we, we see that as well as people are talking more about various things within their organization, you get this halo effect on, on overall governance. Um, that I don't think necessarily people are tying those two together. But, but talking about halos in, in, in the future, through your crystal ball, um, what does sustainable finance and the, the entire sustainable finance industry look like to you in, in, in five or, or even 10 years time? Well, I think it's that sort of, you know, we, <clears throat> we're in that sort of phase where they go, you, know, you overestimate what will happen in two years and you underestimate what will happen in 10, which I think, you know, Bill Gates originally said, um, and I think it's the case, same here. Um, at one level, everybody's expecting that's a fan of the, of the topic, expects it to be sort of perfect overnight. Um, and, you know, perfect PSG, perfect data, perfect correlation, and, and everything is fair and equal. Um, but we are going through a, a massive transformation of the way that companies are reporting and how uh, investors are making their decisions. Um, so uh, my feeling is, is that, <clears throat> what we'll do is that we'll see uh, this wave of, uh, if you like, a hype cycle. Um, we're seeing, I know, a lot of engineering work, a lot of um, business decision-making work, a lot of business modeling work going on to improve uh, at every level, both the, the offering of funds uh, and working on portfolios, but also the regulatory and uh, data regimes around it. And so we'll go through this phase. Um, a few people will call fall out a few of the, the foul plays, but let's not that uh, spoil, you know, the direction that we're traveling in. Because I think in 10 years, what we'll see is that actually sustainable finance, ESG, we won't talk about because it will just be inherently embedded into every investment decision that is made. Um, and it's, as we've heard, you know, climate risk is financial risk. Uh, natural risk will be financial risk. I think it'll just be embedded into everything we do. So, Richard, I think you're really, I, I think you're right. And it's really interesting the point you make around the hype cycle and, and the fact that there'll be, that there will be some, some, some behavior called out, um, but that, that, that shouldn't stop the process overall. I guess, is it, what are some of the biggest learnings that you, you've, you've had since you founded Responsible Risk and, and you wear these multiple different hats of, of uh, uh, coach and, and mentor and educator? Well, I, I think the, fir the, the first and biggest is, is what an extraordinary, you know, set of goodwill there is out there. What a great community. Um, it, I've never really encountered anything like it. You know, I knock on people's door and say, can you, can you join into this network? Uh, I'm not paying anything, you know, but people really are passionate and are rolling up their sleeves across the complete spectrum. I think the second thing is everybody realizes that you, you do need a diverse network of people from, you know, NGOs to environmental scientists, data scientists, as well as financial people to work together to, to really roll up our sleeves. And, you know, we're at our best, aren't we, when there's a crisis? We've seen that with the speed at which, you know, the vaccine was uh, delivered and the great work of, of the NHS, et cetera. And I think there's a similar sort of, um, you know, urgency and goodwill. But probably my biggest um, insight is to, is to kind of stick to, you know, to what... To, to what you know, I was seeing at Microsoft. I was seeing this 
talk about a, a planetary computer, to talk about you know sensors at the edge of everything, which can give us data to make better decisions. But initially, I got sort of sucked into no, we just need to focus on corporate reporting, and we need to sort of sit in committees, um, and we need to write reports. And you know, absolutely, it's clear to me that that will take too long, uh, given that we have a crisis, and we need to sort of put a vaccine. Uh, shot in the arm of uh, our response to data needs for climate change by bringing in this satellite and sensor data, normalizing it, making it available so that really good risk decisions um, can be made and we can get away from people sort of saying that's not the way we used to do it, that's not the way uh, we do it today and, and really bring a step change. That's been my confirmation and, and biggest learning. And and so I guess if I were going to ask you what actionable things that that uh, that can be done, uh, obviously our, our listeners may not be best placed to to sort out uh, satellite data uh, availability. But are there anything else, uh, other actions you think that people listening in can can do to stay abreast of what's happening in this area and the opportunities that that are arising? Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously not for everybody, but I, I think that if you make a conscious decision, you know, as we've heard from Make My Money Matter, if, if people are aware of that campaign, if you make a conscious decision to think, well, what can I do about my own money? You know, so we're all, you know, I'm sure people are struggling, you know, in lots of ways, but you've probably got a pension. Um, you may have a, you know, the opportunity to do an ISA, we're heading into the ISA season. And if you look at just, you know, uh, some of these robo advisors um, and you look at what their ethical or sustainable um, uh, portfolios and you start to examine what's under the cover. So, you know, test it a bit, you know, who's in there? Do those companies match my values from what I know? You might not get it right. You know, you don't necessarily um, uh, have to know uh, every in and out. But I think you'll start to really sort of engage what you feel you can do consciously and yourself and with your own money as a you know put your put your um be a stakeholder in it then essentially i think that's that's a really big piece that you can do proactively but moving on from that i think that you know get, get involved you know one of the reasons that we, that we do the sustainable finance live but workshops at, at finextra is that we're trying to get together a bunch of experts that i've described before but we're doing it in a in a, a you know a public for, forum uh, anybody can dial in. We all know the game now, right? You connect into your into your teams um, and you and you sit there. And I described it as a bit like sort of Saturday Live Kitchen. We've got a few experts in the room that know they're going to cook a, an omelette. Let's call it an omelette, a climate change omelette. We've got a few wine pairers there who know a bit about other pieces that that are important to it. And then the audience can basically sit in and you know either contribute by you know suggesting their best recipes um, or you know just uh, liking what we're doing but they'll see an active debate around this about the opportunities and the pitfalls of uh, this area and, and the next one is on around natural capital and the risk of biodiversity of uh, not investing uh, in this and, and the way that that mirrors the challenges of climate change so a, a huge topic people can dial in but finally you know go to the follow the mark carnies and the bevis watts from triados and uh, Gillian Tett on the FT, um, you know, even Finn Extra on the Sustainable Channel, you know, just just read and follow people and, you know, just feel engaged. Excellent. Thanks, Richard. So so get engaged, pay attention to where your money is, uh, is going. Um, I, I think one of the real themes coming out of this is is get moving in the right direction, even if it's not perfect now, it, it, it will get better and better over time. 
But thanks so much, Richard, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Amory. Thanks for listening to this special edition podcast. We hope you found it worthwhile. To learn more about the issues we've just covered, please visit ashers.com forward slash podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Richard and discover more about ESG data and technology, impact investing and sustainable finance initiatives, please visit finextra.com and click on the sustainability tab where he'll also have information about their twice a year workshops. This special episode is just one small part of our continuing podcast series, ESG Matters at Ashurst. Make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes by subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're there, you can also listen to our other episodes and leave a rating or review. In the meantime, thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.